little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, nerds and nerdettes. Welcome to the United Nations podcast. I'm your host in the great white north of Canada, Melissa Nicholson. And with me, as always, is my awesome co-host of the Midwest United States, Jared Boots. How are you, Jared? Co-host, yes. Awesome. It is yet to be determined. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Just take it, damn it. <laughs> You'll get nothing unlike it. <laughs> I'm doing good, Melissa. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Awesome. You're taking a break in between your camp visits there to come up and do a little nerdy podcasting with us? Hell yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'd, like I'd ever say no to a good nerd conversation. <laughs> There's worse things in life to be peer pressured into. This is true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today? Well, I'm so glad you asked that, Melissa. Today we are doing another episode that was requested by a friend of the show, Guy Milks, where he kind of wanted to hear about kind of like an origin story to our nerdiness in a way. He wanted to know what kind of nerd tribes we belong to. So... That's what we're going to do. It's almost like a revisited version of our first episode where we talked about our origin story. So this is like our, what would they call it? Uh, like rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> or Nerd yeah. Nation's rebirth. So we're yeah. starting over from the beginning again, in a way. Because <laughs> I think at, I think at the beginning, we, we, we I mean, we did talk about our, our nerdy history, but I think it was... Um, it was very kind of brief, so I think this episode is going to be a little bit more of a, a little more of a deep dive into into our nerdiness, which is going to be kind of fun. That's definitely the intention because uh, when we record that episode a little over two years ago now, we were younger, kind of for me at least. Uh, I don't know, I've been old as long as I've known Melissa. I've been old. Um, <laughs> We were newer, we were greener in the podcasting world. Um, didn't kind of know what we were doing, but now we've been around for a while. We've got 50-plus episodes under our belt, and I'd say we're at least better at knowing what we're doing now than we were back then, so hopefully we can uh, churn out a better origin story this time around. What do you say? Well, I think so. Let's, let's, let's do this. All right, so why don't you kick us off? Uh, I think what we're going to do, we're going to go back and forth, kind of like a tennis match here. So Melissa will share a tribe she belongs to, and I'll share one, and we'll have our discussion in between. So we'll go back and forth and, and uh, see where the conversation leads us from there. 
So, Melissa, how about you kick us off? Um, you know, I'm going to go, uh, way back and, you know, when I was, when I was making this, this list, I really had to, I had to write all my, my randoms out because it was just, I didn't realize there was so many, but I'm going to, going to deep dive into my first sort of, I think real deep dive into my first sort of fandom and, um, you know, being a being a part of something that eventually grew into a really big thing, um, and that was Harry Potter. Um, for me, it was that was my first, and and um, yeah, I think my definitely my first fandom that I that I was a part of, and and still am after twenty uh, something years. <laughs> I don't want to do the math on that one, <laughs> but. Uh, it was, it was really funny how I just kind of, uh, you know, really just sort of stumbled into it. It wasn't something that I was, that I even knew about at the time. Um, it's funny hearing other people like, oh, we, we knew about it. We didn't really want to get into it, but then we did and we loved it because we heard from the people. And for me, it wasn't something that I, I knew about. Um, I randomly gone to the the bookstore one day and you know just kind of browsing looking at books and and then I, I stumbled upon Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and read the back of the book and hmm this sounds pretty cool and so I I bought the book and absolutely loved it from the start like it was one book that I completely just dove into the world of of Harry Potter and, and all his, his adventures and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I loved all the characters. I loved the, the story that was told. And, um, and then, then it was, you know, becoming a movie. And so for me, it was basically, I, I read the book, watched the movie, read the book, watched the movie. Like <laughs> it was, it was like a, just a pattern of, of, okay, new book comes out. Oh, there's a mo- another movie coming out. So it was really fresh in, in my brain for like, you know, the, the book content and then seeing the movies and, um, but yeah, it was, it was one that I immediately fell in love with. And what was funny is that like, I wasn't really, um, into like sort of that fantasy kind of stuff. It wasn't something that was like really big in my wheelhouse, but this is, this really, you know, brought me into that that world of of magic and fantasy and all that kind of stuff. And you know, um, I think it was mostly like I just found found the world that really I fit with. Because sometimes it it can be you know really kind of complicated things and you know so many things to know and you know it's kind of a lot like Lord of the Rings where it's such a complicated at, at least for me it's kind of complicated with just characters and worlds and things like that and so um but with harry potter it was really easy to get into and know these characters and stuff and and engage with it and yeah that that was my um my very first uh fandom that i that i engaged with well nice and i uh you good natured Canadians cannot say mean words like sorcerer. Because it's the sorcerer's stone. 
Philosopher's Stone. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the Pope's not a Catholic. No. <laughs> Well, I am actually going to plead the fifth on this topic right now because I can or cannot say that I do or do not subscribe to this uh, particular fandom at this moment. But those who know me know what's going on behind the scenes. So all I can say about Harry Potter is stay tuned to your podcast feeds this fall. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Keep, keep I, may, <laughs> I, I may no longer be a word that rhymes with snuggle. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, since you started with one that went back to your childhood, I'm going to start with one that went back to my childhood, too. And it's not a particular um, franchise or intellectual property. It's more of a, a, a something I was really into as a kid, and that was dinosaurs. And this is something I kind of touched on briefly in our first episode way back when I, I was nuts about dinosaurs when I was a kid. And I remember having these science fairs at my elementary school, and it was always dinosaurs. I'd go up and fill a box with dirt and sticks and shit out of the yard, and I'd throw all my dinosaur action figures in it, rearrange them, put the names by them, all that stuff. I was all about it. And even one of my favorite cartoons growing up was uh, probably very few people who were listening to this show probably know this cartoon i'm talking about denver the last dinosaur probably the most one of the most 80s cartoons you'll ever see outside of like the typical 80s cartoons like he-man and gi joe and thundercats this is like a this is a cartoon about a group of 80s kids hanging out with a talking or a kid the dinosaur that could kind of talk they talk about a skateboard and rock out and all that shit so my love for dinosaurs did carry into 93 when I was in second grade and when Jurassic Park came out. And I, one of the first milestone films I remember seeing in the theater, because I was at the right age to see this. And even though the Dilophosaurus scene scared the shit out of me when I was eight years old, I still loved it because it was dinosaurs and they looked so real. And then... Flash forward all these years later to Jurassic World, the Jurassic World films coming out now, it has kind of reignited that love for dinosaurs in me. It it brings back that spark I had when I saw the first film as an eight-year-old kid. And just dinosaurs have never really ceased to not amaze me anymore. Do I think opening a real-life Jurassic Park is a good idea? Hell no, because we have five movies that prove why that's a bad idea. But uh, I was just so enthralled with dinosaurs. I wanted to be a paleontologist as a kid. And believe it or not, uh, this is probably the only positive thing you'll ever hear me say about friends on this podcast. But I think I was so amazed that Ross was a paleontologist on Friends. And that's about all the positive things I have to say about Friends besides Jennifer Aniston looks as good now as she did back then. 
maybe hotter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to be a paleontologist at one point when I was a kid because I just wanted to be around dinosaurs. I remember going down to the the town I live in now. We have a museum called the Putnam, and going there as a kid, and they had like a dinosaur exhibit there. They had animatronic dinosaurs and stuff, and just being so enamored by it now. If I could catch that uh, walking with dinosaurs or whatever, there's like a Jurassic tour thing going around with all these animatronic dinosaurs. If I could catch that now as a 36 going on 37 year old man, I think I would be just as amazed now as I was back then saying that. Cause that's, I just love that shit and I want to know more. And it just, it's something I've always, it's one of the first things I remember nerding out about. And so then really hasn't left me. I probably, probably goes to the back burner a little bit now compared to everything else that I nerd out about, but it's still got that special spot. I mean, like I take a, I, I, I'm going to try right now for that. I know before the new film comes out next year, I'm going to sit down and watch all five films before the next one comes out. I'm going to sit and power through them all. That's how much I love the, the, that series. So I guess I could probably say the Jurassic Park franchise if I had to stick a franchise to this, but it's more of a love of dinosaurs in general. That is like one of the first nerdy obsessions I had as a child. Awesome. That was really awesome. So it's very, very much rooted in nostalgia for you then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's it's funny how, you know, like you, you have a really big interest in something and, and it just blossoms into into something else. And, and how, yeah, like these incredible films that have come out since, like have really, you know, planted your ground into, you know, an even bigger love of of dinosaurs and i mean dinosaurs are awesome like they're really cool and they're really fun to learn about and i know like for me like you know when i used to work in in daycares and the, the biggest interest was dinosaurs with the kids like they loved it and i i was in there like a dirty shirt like i had so many dinosaur books i even had a pop-up dinosaur book for them and they loved it like the dinosaurs like we open up the book and it would just be like this big dinosaur pop-up thing and you'd learn about them and whatever and like it's just such a huge you know um huge thing and yeah just dinosaurs are always going to be cool i think i don't i don't think they're ever going to be <laughs> ever going to ever, ever going to get old <laughs> and if people say that the dinosaurs in jurassic park are not that realistic or they're not true to how dinosaurs looked i could give two fucks they look cool that t-rex breakout scene is one of the best scenes in cinema history absolutely they they it looks amazing like i mean even now it just wow it's it's really amazing and it, it looks legit like it yeah it was really cool what's uh another thing you love to nerd out about uh, another one, um, I definitely have to say Doctor Who. Massive for me. I think that, you know, I mean, you know, that that was my my definitely my second, you know, obsession to the point of knowing episode numbers and titles and what characters do and and, and I, I mean I'm still like that. Like Mum will. You know, because she's been a, she's been a fan of Doctor Who for years, much longer than I have. But 
um, she really sparked that 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 interest in 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 me for Doctor Who definitely because when they rebooted um, in 2005 she was all over it like she <laughs> she was absolutely all over it and of course like I was I was interested and it, it did take me a few episodes to kind of figure out sort of what was going on but then I I absolutely you know adored it and um and just really dove into that into the world of of time travel and kookiness and and just you know aliens and stuff and and yeah um it just you know I I just completely like fell in love with it and um, you know, 16 years later, and it's still just, you know, amazing to me. <laughs> so I think for for this time, like from first one was sort of me carving out, you know, that that interest, like just stumbling upon it, and then it was me, you know, carving it out myself. And whereas this one was more of my mom influenced that interest, and and definitely, you know. Um, definitely, you know, helped it helped it grow and and blossom into what it is now. And you know, I even you know got to the point where, you know, I, um, I my mom uh, painted the TARDIS door on my bedroom door. <laughs> she she uh, actually had found a um, thing online of like putting it like to scale to fit on on the door and. It, she drew it out and everything and 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 then painted it up and made a sign and I actually still have the sign I kept that um but uh yeah I, I it, it was a huge a huge thing for me and um I think just because it was you know the the idea of, of time travel and going to these different worlds and meeting different characters and and you know and then just also kind of you know, sort of connecting, I think, a little bit with the Doctor, too. Like, he was sort of his own, you know, he he's the only Time Lord. He's the only one in existence. Um, so he's sort of on his, he's on his own, except for when, obviously, he has a companion or friend with him. And I think I really connected with that because I, safe to say, I didn't have any friends until eighth grade <laughs> when I, when I met my friend Jenny. Um, I... I didn't have anybody at all. So I was sort of just loner geeky kid <laughs> doing whatever she was doing and and so I think I connected with that on that on that level too and um so yeah it's just it's been a show that's that's you know when I, and and I think the, the fandom too is is fairly positive. Like there's I I really haven't heard of anything really negative with it and I think that's you know where I like that too so yeah. Yes. Doctor Who was really something I never got into, and you'd think I'd had plenty of time to get into it because shit, it's been around since 1963 down here in the states. So mm-hmm. I think it debuted the day Kennedy died. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I just never got into it. I, I, like I do like a lot of British things. Like I watched a lot of British comedy growing up, kind of like. Um, Monty Python, of course, and Are You Being Served, and a little bit of Mr. Bean, but mm. Doctor Who never uh, crept on my radar. Mm. I mean, it's it, it it really 
you know, it, it really isn't for, I, I don't think it's really for everybody because it is really different. Um, it's not your, I mean, there, there is humor, there's humor, there's heart, there's, you know, the fun, um, but it's not your usual sort of like British humor and, and things, stuff like that, like stuff that you would see like in, you know, your Monty Python or like you said, like, are you being served and, and the other, you know, British comedy, um, because it was, it's, you know, it's not really set to sort of be like that. It's, it's a lighthearted adventure. Um, but it's not, you know, that straight comedy that we, that we, you know, I think say, say we all know and love, um, within the, the British comedy world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different and it, it definitely, you know, it, it takes some getting into, um, and I think it's either you're going to, you're going to like it or you're not. And then, you know, it's, it's not really for everybody, but for me, it was definitely a thousand percent for me. <laughs> nice. Uh, your favorite doctor is number 10, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the record did not go back and listen to episode three. <laughs> Titled "The Doctor Is In," I'm just <laughs> that damn good. <laughs> I love how I shamelessly plug our show on our show. Yep. I mean, someone has to. <laughs> yep. Number t- number ten is is my um my absolute favorite. Love him. I mean, I I. I love all the the doctors except for, I mean, eh, twelve, eh, not so much. I don't really know much about thirteen because I haven't really watched the new stuff. Um, I haven't really gotten around to to watching it. So, but um, but yeah, ten is just he was just so full of energy and so much fun and and you know, so full of heart and humor and he also had a bit of a darkness to him and yeah, I just oh my goodness, absolutely love him. A lot of fun. So was uh Matt Smith, is he number twelve? He was eleven. Eleven. So, so when I when I well I know eleven comes after ten smart <laughs> <guess. laughs> when I uh, when I think of when I think of uh Doctor Who, when I picture Doctor Who in my mind, I see Matt Smith. That's who, like, I don't have a doctor, so I don't have a dog in this fight, but that's, whenever I picture Doctor Who in my mind, I just picture Matt Smith. That's, like, the first image that comes to mind. Hmm. Yeah, he was, he was really good, too. He, he was, he was fun. I, I definitely really, really enjoyed his, his performance. Like, he, he was very, um, I think, kookier than than 10 was i mean 10 could be kind of kooky and crazy but i think 11 was more so in the sense of just quirkiness and his his little quirks and things and and how he always would have you know different things that he found cool like bow ties and that was his always consistent thing was you know bow ties are cool or then he would have a uh, fez and that fezes are cool and then um he had found in one episode uh, a stetson so then all stetsons are cool <laughs> and then um 
can't remember what else. There was, I think there might have been something else, but it was just these little things. It just, you know, oh, this is cool. This is cool. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I think in that he was a little more kooky and quirky. And I, I really enjoyed him. He was a little more, like, in the beginning, he was really sort of lighthearted fun. And then as his time went on, he, he got a little darker. Um, the stories got a little bit more intense and um, a little the stories got a little bit more complicated. Like he really sort of had to pay attention to sort of what was going on because they were knitting together different timelines and stories and putting them together. So they kind of like, oh, OK, there's, a, you know, finding an end to this story and then connecting it up. And so, yeah, but it was I, I really enjoyed him. Um, he was he was fun. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go into a more broad topic again this time around. And it's something that still sticks with me since I was a kid. And that's my love for animation. Mm. And I really think it's something that will make Michael Lyons proud. I wish I had the knowledge he does of animation. But uh, being a kid of the 80s, I feel like being born in 84 i feel like i was born in the last great decade that had great saturday morning cartoons and like watching like i previously mentioned watching thundercats he-man or gi joe or any of those awesome shows back in the 80s but uh like one big one that stuck out for me like i guess i can use this steamroll in this topic is a uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles was one i watched a lot as a kid or the real Ghostbusters. But um, a love of, for animation is just something I've had my entire life, whether it just be animation in general, whether it be even voice acting. I get very intrigued into voice acting, too, and how watching legit voice actors like Billy West or a more modern one like Eric Bauza, like watch them do their stuff and like watch one person do so many voices. The cartoons have stuck with me. Like I said, being born in the mid 80s, 80s mid to early 80s i got to see all these great stuff then i got to be there like front row center for the first wave of nicktoons mm. so i was huge into those when i was a kid so i was there when it was ren stimpy doug and rugrats just those mm-hmm. but my bread and butter my bread and butter there was uh rocco's modern life that was the best nicktoon fight me Because that cartoon was not afraid to get adult if it needed to, man. It was awesome. And it had that quirky tongue-in-cheek humor, man. It was great. Um, but just say, any kind of cartoon as a kid, I just... I even watched... I was even allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead when I was eight years old. Which, look, people know me now. Like, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just... I, I just soaked so much animation in as a kid, like even watching old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, watching old Disney shorts and Disney animated films, um, even watching like your generic Popeyes or your Mutt and Jeff. That's the name only probably Michael Lyons is going to know. Um, or maybe Guy will know that one too. Um, and then, of course, in the 90s, did Batman animated series, X-Men cartoon. So, like, all the great cartoons they had in Fox. Or uh, Animaniacs, all the great Warner Brothers cartoons that came out. 
I just love that shit so much. And even when I transitioned or Simpsons, I watched a lot growing up too. Mm-hmm. So like even that's like the one dirty thing I never stopped transitioning in my teenage years. Cause in teenage years, I'm still watching Simpsons. I'm watching Futurama. I'm watching family guy. I'm watching King of the Hill. I'm watching South park. Um, and in my adult years, I discovered I've or still a teenager I'm watching Daria, which is probably one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Hell, uh, my cat Shadow, her middle name is Jane Lane, named after my favorite cartoon character of all time, Jane Lane. <laughs> and even now, as a late 30s adult, I'm still watching cartoons, whether it be more the more adult stuff like the. The Rebirth of Beavis and Butthead, or I'm watching Big Mouth, or F is for Family on Netflix, or I'm watching Archer. I'm even discovering kids' cartoons that I really dig nowadays, and those are probably honestly a little more few and far between. Like when I was in a when I was a teenager, I was still watching like Fairly Odd Parents and Rocket Power. I watched a little SpongeBob. I wasn't super huge into that, but um. Now in my like twenties, I discovered Phineas and Ferb off a of friend's recommendation, and my sister and brother having on all time. And come to find out, it was created by the same guys that created Rocco's Modern Life, so that's why I dug it so much. And then like one I just discovered recently, thanks to Disney Plus, and that would be Gravity Falls. I love Gravity Falls, even though I just watched it for the first time last year. I love the hell out of it because it's so damn funny. Like, I'm not a huge Twin Peaks person, but it's like Twin Peaks for kids, and it's so damn entertaining. It's written really smart. It's not written like Peppa Pig, which is bright colors and noises to keep your three-year-old distracted for ten minutes while you go change the laundry out. It's like really good writing. And I'm glad I got to nerd out on shit like that recently because one of my teammates on the tug team, um, Frank Slabby, if you're listening to this, He's got a mystery shack decal on the back of his truck. <laughs> and I'm like, is that a damn Gravity Falls uh, sticker you got there? He's like, yep. <laughs> and we started nerding out about that for a little bit. <laughs> or even just the fact that I can nerd out about cartoons all the time. I was at play rehearsal a week or two ago, and somebody brought up the dancing frog from the old Warner Brothers shorts. And I'm like, he's got a name. It's Michigan J. Frog, god damn it. <laughs> It's just that kind of stuff that just makes me stoked. I just love watching cartoons. They're such good comfort for me. Like now with our friend Andy doing Why Not Futurama, it has me going back and revisiting old Futurama episodes. I just throw it on the background and just relax to it. And now with Disney Plus, I'm pretty sure one of the first things I saw, uh, one of the first things I watched on Disney Plus was uh, the DuckTales. debuted in the late 80s or the 90s. That was one of the first things I watched. And I started binge-watching old episodes of The Simpsons back when The Simpsons was good. Mm. So, yeah, you look at my Disney Plus list, besides The Mandalorian, it's mostly cartoons on my list. <laughs> Even, like I mentioned, I was there when Doug debuted at Nickelodeon. I, I've, I watched all that on Hulu in a couple weeks' time a few years ago. Same with Hey Arnold. I whipped through it just like that a couple of days, a couple of days to a weeks. I even got the Disney Doug on my uh, Disney Plus playlist. I don't remember it being as good as Nickelodeon Doug, but I'm still gonna watch it. Like, why yeah. the hell not? Mm. 
just watching any cartoons just me like I could just grab a huge bowl of popcorn right now and sit down and watch Scooby Doo all day. Mm. Any incarnate almost any incarnation of Scooby Doo, like I'd be an Easter. I just love cartoons so goddamn much. And I don't think that I'd almost be a perfect candidate for somebody to have a kid because I would sit and watch cartoons with them because I love cartoons that much. Like, I think we are the generation, like, people like us, Melissa, we are perfect as parents because we still love this kind of nerdy shit. So, yeah, I'll sit and watch cartoons. <laughs> oh, you want to watch? Okay. Hey, Jared Jr. Uh, I would never do that to my I never do that to my kid. We're going to sit here and watch a little cartoon I watched when I was in middle school called Ed, Ed, Nettie. And you're going to love the shit out of this cartoon, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I heard, you just smacked me in the face with nostalgia right now. Yeah, I haven't heard that title in so long. <laughs> yeah, when it, when it came to cartoon cartoons, you either had your people, you either had your friends that liked Johnny Bravo, you either had your friends that liked Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Courage a Cowardly Dog. But I was Team Ed, Ed, Nettie. <laughs> I, I liked Courage the Cowardly Dog. I liked Johnny Bravo. I liked Cow and Chicken. Oh, yeah. I was an Ed, Ed, Nettie guy. Like, I loved Ed, Ed, Nettie. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. I didn't have um, as much access to, like, animated stuff. Um, but in sort of later years, I did, where I... Um, to watch like Teletoon, and that's where I saw, you know, like Ed, Ed, Nettie, Cow and Chicken, and um, oh, there was one other one that I got into. I can't remember what the hell it's called now. Um, oh, I can't remember, but yeah, where I got into all those those cartoons and stuff. And I mean, for me, my my everyday watches. Um, after school was Arthur. It was always on at like I think it was on at like four o'clock. Um, absolutely. And I said, "Hey, what a wonderful kind of, kind of day." <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Having fun. Not a, hard. Not adjust your sets. Song. Yes. <laughs> I just sang the Arthur theme song, and I haven't seen an episode of that in like fifteen years or more. It's been a while since I've seen it too, uh, but uh, yeah, it was every day. I'd, I'd watch Arthur, and then um, yeah, I absolutely love that show. I, like thousand percent, absolutely loved it. And I mean, even now, like if I saw it, it would just be like a wave of nostalgia, and it would be like a you know bowl of popcorn and just enjoying the hell out of it because you know I just I, I loved it so much, and and uh, you know. My my favorite characters was like I, I loved Buster Baxter and I loved DW. Those were my two favorites. Mm-hmm. They were just the freaking best. <laughs> and, my my go my go to every day was uh Batman the animated series. Yeah, it was it was for me it was yeah, it was it was Arthur and then I would watch uh what what were my other ones? Oh Arthur, Zabumafu and then Art Attack. And uh, that's kind of where my... Art Attack was, like, huge influence on, like, crafty side. Because he was always doing some really awesome art. And just with random stuff he'd find around the house. And just really fun stuff. And I, even now, if I 
again, like if I watched it, it would be just like nostalgia. And even recently I had found on, I think it was on, was it on Crave TV, I think? Might have been. In the, the their animated section, whatever, was the show Reboot. And I loved that show as a kid. Absolutely loved it. And when I saw it, like, I I squeed. Like, you probably heard it across the world. Because uh, <laughs> it was just, like, I, I loved that show. And it was just, like, oh, my God. And it was just, like, okay, I'm, I'm like, however old I am. And, and just, you know, watching it again. And um, I, I felt like a kid. I felt, like, absolutely felt like a kid again. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't so much one for a lot of cartoon stuff, though. I mean, I have seen quite a lot of them and things like that, but I didn't have, I mean, like, I, you know, not having access to a lot of TV at the time was, you know, obviously a huge thing. Like, I only had uh, three channels, and one was for video games. (laughs) So... I, I had PBS and TVO, and that was it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it would, it just all the all the cartoons of the day were just were just awesome. And <laughs> now now you know getting into the you know you know like your Rick and Morty's and your Big Mouth and all that like you're just I, I think for us it's nostalgic because it's just. It's it's more for the for for us now. Like we'll get the jokes and and the mature humor and stuff, but it's still nostalgic because it's like your animated characters and stuff. It's like you're, you know, back in the day you're sitting with your like bowl of cereal watching cartoons, right? Hell yeah! <laughs> like I'm the fact that I'm in my late thirties now, and I can sit here and look at my DVD racks right now, my DVD shelves, and it's like look at all the Batman films I have on my shelves right now and how many of those Batman films are animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I really I really think that that's one thing I'll never grow out of and that's cartoons. I just love cartoons so much. Mm-hmm. Cartoons are just awesome. They're just they're they're definitely a they're they're a comfort thing, absolutely. Kind of like you had, you had mentioned earlier, like they're very, very much comfort thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like even I, I probably glossed over the old, old Hanna Barbera. I think I mentioned the Hanna Barbera stuff and the filmation stuff and the Fleischer stuff. Like in this girl, like even I remember going on a date like 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and watching the Yogi Bear movie. Because <laughs> like, I loved Yogi Bear so much as a kid. I'm like, I gotta go up and watch this movie. See if it's as good as the cartoons. Spoilers, yeah. not really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like even you know, even like my mom, like she loves Bugs Bunny, absolutely thousand percent. Like she, she could, she she can quote stuff and things. Like she she nerds out over that, and uh, she she introduced me to that. That was that was one thing that she. You know, I think she kind of made sure I saw it. <laughs> and I think I, the first time seeing it, it was, like, episodes on VHS. <laughs> That's the way to go. Yeah. Like, I, when it came to Looney Tunes, I, I took after my grandma. I was more of a Wiley Coyote Roadrunner kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I, I definitely, I mean, some of the, some of the jokes and stuff I didn't get because some of it was a little bit more like you had to be older to get the joke. And even my mom says that too, like she was a kid, you know, watching it and like, you know, her dad, my grandpa would be laughing because it just, he got the joke and she's like, what? Like, you know, but loved everything else, you know, sometimes miss jokes and things, but it was still, she loved it. And, uh, yeah. And, and seeing those episodes, like I, I watched it repeatedly and, you know, I, I really love, you know, one of my favorite ones is, um, I think it's when, when Bugs is playing golf with the, the, the Scotsman and, <laughs> He's like, you ruined my pipes. <laughs> been in the family for years. <laughs> I'm just so funny. Um, that was one that I watched honestly repeatedly because it was just so funny. And uh, yeah, that that was one of my big ones too. And then and then Ren and Stimpy too, and that was on VHS too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was a big Ren and Stimpy fan. I I didn't care so much for the reboot. And they brought it back when I was in late middle school, early high school day. Yeah, I was probably in high school and they brought it back. But the 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 first run on uh, Nickelodeon was the best. Like, so that was like the tail end where they did not care about putting more risque shit in kids' cartoons. Not at all. And even even like they they didn't really care about that or just you know, kind of scarier looking images, I think. Like, you know, those like intense zoom in things on Ren and Stimpy, you know, like you'd see like a details of our eyes and faces and stuff and like that that that, that became John Kay's style. Yeah. But, you know, that that would I mean I don't I'm surprised it never really freaked me out. I thought it was hilarious. Like you see all their boils and bumps and stuff and then that was funny. But I think a kid today would be like, what the <laughs> what what is going on? And probably cry because this is, this is a really weird image. <laughs> but yeah, I think for me too, like animation, you know, cartoons are always going to be, you know, and then kids shows in general, like it's always going to be nostalgic because like I have so many, you know, stories and moments and things and like, you know, one of my things was I really love this show it wasn't an animated one but it was um done with like puppets and things and it was uh bear in a big blue house and every yeah, time that's a, that's a that's Jim Henson thing yeah and uh so he would you know he would bear would you know open up the door and and then he would you know greet you whatever and then he'd turn around and he would like sniff the tv screen and so being the cheeky little shit I was. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> I changed. <laughs> I one time I went up to the I went up to the TV and I turned around and I put my butt to the screen. <laughs> and he'd be like, he'd like be sniffing, whatever. And he'd be like, oh, it smelled like blueberries or maple syrup or <laughs> I just had a couple times. It was just, and I just, I'd be killing myself laughing as he's like, whoa, it smelled like pancakes. And <laughs> so, 
So, like, I have those, you know, hilarious memories from that, too. So, yeah, all that all that kid stuff is just, you know, pure nostalgia. Wow. Take that, Disney establishment. <laughs> yep. So, uh, what's another thing that you uh, loved and read about? I think I'm going to go a different route with this one. Um, for me, uh, black and white classic, like, I mean, black and white movies and classic movies for me. Um, I absolutely love um, those kind of films. Um, I, I don't, I think just because they're, you know, they're just, like some of them, they're, just, they're filmed beautifully and they, they look really cool and, um, and it's just, you know, all the, you know, like classic actors and things like that. And I just, I, I love them. And I think my first, um, first black and white film I think I saw was, was Young Frankenstein. Like that was my first black and white film. And uh, of course I, I love that one because it's just freaking hilarious. But, um, but for just classic movies in general, I absolutely love, you know, I, I think one of my favorite you know, classic actors has to be Humphrey Bogart. Like, love him. He's a friggin', he was a friggin' badass, honestly. Um, and just so good in, in all the stuff that he did. And, um, you know, I just, it's it's a totally different world and different take. And and I just, you know, it's, I, I, I really like, and I've sort of been inspired style-wise, too, from it. Like, um what was it the Maltese Falcon um I actually it's not exactly what what um an actress wore in it but she had kind of this sort of like fedora that sort of um it sort of folded in a little bit like a regular sort of fedora would be but then the brim sort of would go down sort of slant a little bit and I really love that and I actually have a hat that's sort of like that like it's sort of it's a fedora style um, but then it kind of has like an angle and things and it's a, it's a really nice hat. So I was like kind of inspired from that too, but, um, I just, I really love them. Like I, you know, like Gone with the Wind, which I actually got to see in the movie theater when they were showing, um, classic films and I actually got to see it on the big screen, which is really cool. Um, and like it happened one night and, you know, Casablanca and African Queen and um, the Maltese Falcon and you know the treasures the Sierra Madre and just all these really fun classic films and I just I, I I'm a sucker for them I just absolutely love them um, I think they're great and then even recently now like um, I've been sort of um, you know, kind of, kind of influenced from Guy Milks <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> you know, Let's say I'm glad you used the qualifier good way. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I should clarify that one because you know, if 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 you know Guy Milks, he's 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 sus sometimes, but we love him <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but his love of Hitchcock films, and I can say that like within the last kind of a couple years I've actually or yeah a couple years now um 
have really gotten into Hitchcock films and I hadn't really, I hadn't seen them before. So, you know, finally seeing Psycho and um, Rear Window and The Lady Vanishes and, um, oh my goodness, there's so many. But, um, you know, really getting into those and just, you know, it really didn't take much, you know, influence, but just hearing Guy, you know, talk about it and, and really sensing that like he, he really loves these films. He absolutely adores them. And so I, I that was an influence on, on me and I, I'm being a sucker for, you know, for classic films and um, it, I dove headfirst into that and, and I've really loved them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, kind of a really big thing for me is, um, you know, yeah, the, the classic films and the black and white films and just how they, how they look and, and yeah. So. Yeah, I'm quite the fan of the classic films myself too, especially particularly the black and white that you mentioned. Um, Psycho being one of my favorite, uh, Hitchcock films. Probably mm-hmm. is my favorite Hitchcock film. But um, when I think more of my favorite black and white films, I think of a lot of the Vincent Price films like yeah. uh, Last Man on Earth, House on Haunted Hill. Um, yeah. Some of those, or even the Universal Monster films, which we have spoken about numerous times on this show, like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, even. Um, love, 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 love those films. Yeah, I think the fact, oh, even Freaks also filmed in black and white, or Spider Baby. Mm. Just those films are so damn good. And it's like, like I tried to talk to my younger brother years ago, like, hey, you want to watch Psycho or this? I'd be like, oh, I don't really like black and white films. I'm like, oh, these, but these films are so good. Like, you yeah. just have to watch. Yeah. And even, you know, like, for me, like, yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, the, you know, the Universal Monster films and, um, you know, my mom, I think, I think it's safe to say my mom's been a huge influence in my, in my movies that I like, and especially the monster films, um, you know, your Universal Monsters, but then also like your, your classic Godzilla and your, you know, those films, like, just so much fun like they're they're so you know they're so incredibly cheesy but they're just so much fun you know you're you're Godzilla you're King Kong you're you know Creature from the Black Lagoon which is my absolute favorite yeah. and, and even even in your more modern films like Young Frankenstein like Ed Wood that are filmed in black yes. and white are just so damn good also yeah just yeah, Sometimes. That'd be something I like to see. I like to. See, that's something I like to see, like approached more often now in films. If it, if it fits the subject, I would like to see a Batman film in black and white. That would be awesome. That would be really awesome. Um, that would that would give it such a more dramatic kind of feel to it. A little bit more grittier too. I think that that I want to. That needs to be a thing now. <laughs> Yeah, like like even this new bat, even the new Matt Reason we're giving Robert Pattinson, I think that would fit really well in black and white. And look how look how good Logan looks in black and white. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah, it's just it's it's got such a it's, it's just a different look and feel about it that's just so 
I don't, I don't know if mesmerizing is the right word, but let's go with that. It's just, it, it gives you a whole different, I don't know, d- different look at it, different dimension to it. Like, it's just, it's it's so good. And, you know, yeah. I, it really, you know, didn't take much for me to, you know, to get into, you know, the Universal Monster films and stuff like that. Because it's just, it's those classic fun films that you just, you know, with amazing actors that, you know, that were so incredible in their time. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really big. And I think it, it, I think it comes from my mom a lot um, because, you know, she, she loves those monster movies and stuff. And, and, you know, especially Godzilla, like, cause she would always, as a kid, watch the, the matinee money movies from, um, from Duluth it would always show. And, She'd watch them after school, and so that's that's her thing. Um, and it's definitely translated on me because I I love it. They're just so bonkers and fun, and and but yeah, and then just from that, like you know, your classic movies, and um, so yeah, I'm I'm such a sucker for it. <laughs> yeah, the thing with classic movies is back then it, they they told a story and they set a mood. Yeah. It's not so much exposition dump anymore. Yeah, and it's 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 careful. I feel like it was a little more carefully set up. Like you you had your you constructed you told your story, but you you told it a little bit more structured, slower pace. Like it wasn't so much like now, like like maybe bad example, but like an Avengers movie. You know how it's just so quick and things are happening and everything. And I mean, you get the story, you get whatever, but it's not. You're not you're not really setting a mood like you would in the in the classic film where it's just you you know whether it's like a you know tension filled thing or whatever that mood would be immediately set and it just draws you in that whole time and um, it's just yeah and they they just did such a wonderful job doing that where you just you're you're fully engaged with the film. You know, I mean, for me, whenever I see, like, any kind of classic film, like, I'm, you know, it's it's the most engaged I am with a film. Like, I'm, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not, you know, distracted with anything else. I am watching it because there's just so much, you know, to to be engaged with and, and you know, just love all of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Well, another thing I like to nerd out about, and um, I try to figure out how to phrase it when I say comics, and I'm not saying comic books because I think Melissa and I specifically try to like skip comic books and movies in general, just because it's kind of a given that yeah we nerd about this kind of stuff. But one thing I've always nerded out about, and I still uh, probably not as much now as I did back then, but they still have a special place in my heart, and it's actual newspaper comic strips. I loved the hell out of reading comics, the fun, reading the funnies every day in the paper, and I had the same ones I went to every day. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had my Foxtrot, I had my Peanuts, I had my, and one of my favorite ones to this day still is Calvin and Hobbes. And that one's been out of print for so long, but I love it so much. And um, like, 
I just had a conversation, a nerdy conversation the other day about Calvin and Hobbes. It made me my heart so happy. I'm sure it weirded out everybody else I was with. But we were at a bar a couple of days ago of this recording, and we were doing the draw for Tugfest, our team draw. And the president for the Illinois Tugfest committee was talking about Calvin and Hobbes, and I just nerded all out on her. And it was great, and I'm sure every all my teammates and commuters were like, I roll, and I'm sure most of the Illinois ones are doing the same thing. Watch a big bad tiger with a foot long beard talk about a stuffed tiger and his child owner. <laughs> like, I think what captivated me so much about Calvin and Hobbes is just the pure imagination that this child has. Because I've always been an advocate that a lot of kids nowadays don't have a good imagination. Because like, I'd go and, um, I do face painting for kids when, uh, about 10 years ago. And it's like I'd get one kid a night that would really challenge me. I'd want something really creative. And kids would just want to paint a mustache on me, write something on me. And I'm like, you can do that at home with your own Sharpies, kid. But um, but it was so cool. Like the Calvin has like this the most vivid imagination of anybody anywhere. It's insane. I just loved it so much. I have. I don't know how many books I have in st- uh, somewhere in my apartment right now. It's full of Calvin Hobbes, full of Foxtrot, full of uh, – I have some Dilbert ones too because I did get into Dilbert too when I was a little bit older. And uh, I remember being a sad day when Calvin Hobbes stopped uh, printing about 21 years ago now, 20, 21 years ago now. And I did get excited. So if, if you guys are listening and are huge fans of Calvin and Hobbes like I am, I don't know where you can find it now, but I watched it on Hulu several years ago called Dear Mr. Watterson. It's essentially just like a documentary on whatever happened to Bill Watterson because he was still fairly young when he stopped doing Calvin and Hobbes. Just stopped. Mm. And like, he got disappeared off the face of the earth. He never merchandised Calvin and Hobbes either. So like all the Calvin all the stickers you see of Calvin peeing on things, that's not licensed by anybody. Uh, he never licensed anything out for merchandising. I kick myself every day because I wrote a letter to Bill Watterson when I was in middle school. And he sent me a letter back. <laughs> I wish I would have saved it. I really wish I would have saved it. Like, <laughs> I kicked myself so hard for that because I just love that shit so much. I'm like, man, why did I get rid of that letter? <laughs> But uh, you hear me talk on our Peanuts episode, how much I love the Peanuts. Um, I have a book somewhere that my grandmother gave to me that had like almost every strip in it up until Charles Schultz's passing, I think. Mm. I even read a lot of Garfield a lot, too. I forgot about Garfield. I don't know how I could forget Garfield, but I read that one a lot as a kid. Um, but I think a lot of that started from reading... When I was a kid, I got really got into Far Side, The Far Side by Gary Larson, yes. reading those. Oh, my yeah. God. And yes. then um, another one I read a lot. My dad had these books from Mad Magazine. They had all those comic strips in, too. So I remember reading those. It might have been a little more adult. But I remember getting into those and reading those as a kid. And he, my dad also had Andy Cap. So I'd read a bunch of those Andy Cap books as a child. 
and just soaking all that stuff up. I could not get enough of it. And even to this day, if I'm out in a bookstore and I see a Calvin and Hobbes book I don't have, I know I'm going to grab it. I have most of them. But I know I go, I don't have that one. I'm going to grab that one. So I'm, I'm almost certain that the first Calvin and Hobbes strip I saw was a Sunday one. And it was him pretending his parents were aliens and how he looks at the world. And then I think the first book I bought was Something Under the Bed is Drooling. And I want to say I bought that in sixth grade. Oh. And just loving the hell out of it. <laughs> ah. That's awesome. Yeah. I I I love the 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 funnies in the in the newspaper too. Like you know, I I was just actually doing a quick look up because I couldn't remember there was one that I always read and, and loved, um, but I couldn't remember the topic the the title of it, but I just had to look it up. And it was the for better or for for better or for worse. And it was like the family getting into different stuff and and um that that was one of my my favorite ones along with like um you know your garfield and stuff like that and um but yeah i always you know always read the funnies and then always um you know had to do the you know the jumbled puzzle things and stuff like that too but uh yeah for me it was always had to like okay i'm taking the newspaper and i'm like flipping (laughs) to the comic strip (laughs) i i remember for better or worse i wasn't a huge fan of them but I, i did read them and um no, I was going to say that's not the. I was going to say that was the one that had a character die of cancer, but that was Funky Winker Bean. See, this is why I'm going to die alone because I know this kind of stuff. Um, I was going to say another one I, I read a lot growing up was uh, Beetle Bailey. Read that one quite a bit, and like one I watched, one I read later on in years was probably Pearls Before Swine. You ever seen that one? No, what's that one? Oh, that one's that one's weird, man. But it's essentially like a strip about like a rat, a pig, a goat. That's that's their names too. And like the rat character is such an asshole, dude. He's hilarious. And there's zebra. He had the zebra had crocodile neighbors that talk like they're all slow and everything. Zebra, they're they're just trying to find all these ways to kill the zebra. <laughs> but like a lot of it was like fourth wall like the pig pig was just so stupid and rat was just an asshole even and the creator uh steven he like inserted himself in some of the strips and like rat would kill him or beat him up pretty good and all that stuff it was that was that was when i started reading like more and more later years and when it came more around but that one was a good one too yeah yeah, my um, yeah, and I, I also like you had mentioned it. Yeah, the Gary Larson Far Side comics. Like, yeah, I I love those two. They're just so funny. My mom, again, you know, huge influence on me and and you know what I like. But like, she she loves like the Far Side comics, loves them. And uh, she had actually um, at our old house, we did a lot of art arting in our house <laughs> whatever blank thing we had we would paint it we would draw on it whatever it was there was something arty in our house um whether it was our 
bedroom door painted like the TARDIS, or we had a, a bathroom door thing that would go into like the plumbing under the like toilet and bathtub. And so we, it was a blank door. So my mom painted it pink and put Zoidberg on it. <laughs> <laughs> and she also, um, she had gotten a big piece of Bristol board and she put um, a Gary Larson comic on it. And she put it up on the wall upstairs. You'd go upstairs and there'd be like an angled wall. And on the walls she had the Gary Larson comic. The one uh, the polar bears are eating the igloo. And they're like, I just love these things. They're crunchy on the outside with a chewy center. And you see the igloo. Nice. We had up and because she she really liked that one. And we even have a like a, a coffee mug thing with the the dog hiding in, hiding sort of beside behind like a washing machine and they wrote cat food and cats. So uh, yeah, we we love that. A lot. And it's just they're they're just they're just so funny and so yeah, I I definitely you know, I, I can share that, that interest with you too and the comic strips and funnies. Because they're just so good. It's that little little dose of, of humor that just, you know always needed that little fix that was always that was always good. I remember being about eight or nine years old. And uh, my mom buying me a Farside T-shirt, and it was the Midvale School for the Gifted. <laughs> and it was a kid pushing on a door that said "pull." And I remember being so proud of that T-shirt and showing it to my great grandmother when she was still alive, like just showing that off. Yeah, my my mom would always any any time, and even I've I've said it for many many years. Um, anytime you do something stupid, like you, or you, like you push on the door that says pull or, or just in general do something stupid. It's like, oh yeah, you're the Midvale school for the gifted. <laughs> just kind of, it's funny. It's kind of sexy. It feels like far side is, for lack of a better term, is kind of like gone to the far side of the pop culture zeitgeist now. It doesn't seem like it gets referenced very much anymore. I don't think so either. I, I really don't think so. Like, you, you you know, you say something like Midvale School for the Gifted and, you know, maybe one person's going to get it, you know, know what you're you're referencing. But otherwise, people are going to be like, they, they might laugh because you kind of know sort of like, OK, you did something stupid. OK, whatever. But you're not going to fully you know, laugh about it because you're not going to fully get that reference. And then I think, yeah, it's kind of been sort of pushed off to the side, which is kind of sad because they're just, they're so good. Kids, if you haven't heard of Calvin and Hobbes, go out and find it. You will not be sorry. Like it is amazing. It's got like a good tongue and cheek humor to it for being like a little six year old kid with his imaginary tiger. It is amazing. Yeah. I, I myself have to, um, I think, find find some more of those or whatever more. Because, like, I did get into them a little bit, but I wasn't, like, fully into it. So it's something I want to I wanna explore now. Definitely. Well, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to sort of a little bit more of a, a fandom. Um, maybe, maybe I'm... 
fandom, maybe more just popular culture kind of thing. Um, I'm going to go the route of of Monty Python. Um, that that was one of my my biggest influences, I think, for some of my quirky humor and just you know randomness and and things like that. Like just such a, a you know huge influence. And I know my my both my parents um, love Monty Python and just and I think just in general like you know, British humor in general, because, like, you're just so, you know, it's just so clever and so quick and, you know, and just so incredibly funny. And, you know, like, Monty Python for me is a big one, like, for, for my humor and, and you know, I just, you know, I love Monty Python's Flying Circus and I love, you know, Holy Grail and Life of Brian and it's just so good. And it's just their, you know, all the other continued stuff that they did, um was so good too you know and even like i recently watched um it was it was a a radio um play that eric idol did that was on stage it did a run on stage and um it was uh eric idol's what about dick and i recently saw that on netflix and i died i just I, I couldn't stop laughing all the way through it. It was just so good. It was that same, just that that humor that you know, that that quick, you know, cheeky, you know, sometimes you know, dirty humor, but it it comes across as kind of clean, and it's just you know, like those kind of underlying things, whatever, and it's just so funny, and yeah, um, so much of of. British humor and comedy is such a big influence on me and my my humor and and I think mostly specifically Monty Python just because you know I've I've watched it so much and I could you know I can quote it and still laugh and <laughs> you know um, I think you know I like at the time like I think when I when I liked it at the time like I was kind of the only one sort of within my own little bubble of vicinity that that really liked it so I didn't really I think pretty much the only people I really shared that interest with was my parents <laughs> sadly because a lot of everybody else wasn't really into it and but it just you know it's it's so good it's so clever and um yeah it's it's still just you know it, it's it's aged well I think all that humor and and um you know, it definitely never gets old. It's still fresh and fun and, and funny. When it comes to my Python's humor, you either get it or you don't. And yeah. there's no in between. And I've been told I have my father's sense of humor. So I, I agree I am a Monty Python fan as well. Like, I don't think you're going to find anybody here that was so stoked when on the Monty Python collection like anything everything in Monty Python came to Netflix I was so mm-hmm. especially for Flying Circus when Flying Circus came to Netflix I was pretty damn excited but um I am like I'd say they probably helped shape my humor a little bit same with um the kids in the hall yeah I'm such a huge fan of sketch comedy in general so like kids in the hall and living color Monty Python those three sketch shows in general first of all a better than SNL fight me 
Uh, I, I'll die on that hill with you because <laughs> I don't <laughs> agree. <laughs> but their sense, their sense of humor was so good, and all of them, it, it helped shape my sense of humor a little bit too. So I can, I love dry humor, mm. and even so, some of the silly stuff too, like a penguin on top of the television about ready to explode or a whole sketch decade to span like it's just so <laughs> damn funny or, or like you know always in the in flying circus the larch the larch the how does it about different types of trees from far away <laughs> <laughs> number one the larch <laughs> or, or the sketch when it comes to when uh Terry Jones and Carol Cleveland are trying to buy a new bed. They're trying to buy a bed for their wedding. <laughs> everything keeps getting triggered up. Like, oh, everything Eric Idle says, you have to multiply by two. <laughs> if you say certain, if you say mattress, that <laughs> Graham Chapman stands in a box and puts a bag over his head. <laughs> puts a bag over his head. <laughs> like, something like that. It's hilarious. That is so funny. Like, I... You know, I've I've been told that I I very much have you know at, at times I have very dry humor and I get that dry humor like you know somebody I, I somebody says something that's that's funny whatever it's like I'm gonna laugh I I laugh at the most random of things but you know I get that humor so it's very much that influence from you know your Monty Python and that British humor which can be very dry but witty. And it's just so funny, like, especially sometimes how it's delivered even, like, you know, some things that just deliver a line, like, straight face, you know, but it's so funny. Like, I, I love that when, when somebody can just, you know, say something like that and it's just straight face, like, you know, um, it's just, it can be so incredibly funny. And, um, yeah, and even, like, I'm just thinking of, too like uh um what's the other one i just thought of like not the nine o'clock news like that that british i mean some of their stuff was sometimes it was a little bit hit and miss with them but there was still a lot that was really funny and i i got heavily into that too and just yeah british comedy in in general is just you know i i absolutely adore and love and appreciate and you know it's just yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, kind of kind of helped mold my my humor and and uh, you know to now and like even then like I had that cheeky humor and you know I think it probably influenced my you know sticking my butt to the TV and having bear sniff my butt for pancakes or something you know <laughs> but just that that tongue in cheek. <laughs> humor and you know um definitely huge huge influence so yeah absolutely can't confirm we're <laughs> <laughs> just like the cult status that their films have too yeah holy holy grail is one of those films that most people can quote line for line maybe not word for word properly but line for line <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, you know, like, I fart in your general direction and, you know, just a flesh wound and, you know, I'll bite your ankles off. Probably, like, the most quoted things ever, but it's just, 
you know, it, it, like I, I kind of said earlier, that, you know, it, just, it never gets old. It's still funny. It's, you know, yeah, like I, I can I can quote Holy Grail for days and I can quote Life of Brian for days. And, you know, it's just <laughs> and still, you know, and still laugh. And, and I think, too, like, you know, the sketch comedy and that it's just. Yeah, like you're, you know, like Monty Python's Flying Circus and like Kids in the Hall and all that. It was consistently, I feel like it was, it was consistently funny. Like there was always something funny, and whereas like, you know, SNL had its had its classic moments. You know, definitely like your older years SNL, um, but not always. Like it was always kind of it's like okay, you're you're trying too hard to be funny, whereas this stuff was just so genuinely naturally funny where you just, you know, whatever happens in that moment just can be just so genuine and, and funny and, and, you know, you get that consistency throughout. So I think that's, you know, why, why it's, why it's better than SNL. It's, <laughs> <Like> it's, SNL. <laughs> it's got stuff that will stick with you long after you've seen it. Like, I was at the grocery store a few years ago and I was walking around the health section and I saw, uh, I think it was a juice that said elderberries on it. <laughs> so I took a picture of it and sent it to my buddy. I go, it smells like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and not that long ago, my, not that long ago, my buddy, that same friend, he would, he sent me a meme of, uh, a self-checkout, and it said, unexpected item in bagging area, and you look in the bagging area, it's the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me, I had, um, I, I really love uh, comedian Eddie Izzard, and he, like, I just, his, his comedy is just so funny. And I've actually, he actually came to to my hometown one time and actually did do the set and it was just so good um but he does the a sketch called um not really a sketch but a set about a death star canteen and what, what and darth vader's exploits in the in the canteen and that he he orders um and he wants you know penny alla arabiata and He's, he argues, you know, you need a tray. The tray is hot. <laughs> I'm muddling it up. But the fact that, like, oh, he orders this and he's having an argument about trays and them being wet. And, and you know, this one's wet and this one's wet. And you dry this in a rainforest. Why? <laughs> and, um, but anyway, I had seen um, the Arabiata pasta sauce one time and I, I took a picture of it and I quoted that part from the from his his set and it just in you know thankfully I when I shared it with people they they got it they laughed but it just struck me so funny I'm sure people wondered why I was laughing because just you know those those little things like it's just that like you said like it just sticks with you and you remember it and you know little things like that that you know whatever you're doing the most normal of things and then something you see and it just strikes you funny and you know it just 
I think a lot of this is so engraved in our in our minds that we're just we're never gonna, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna forget it anytime soon. <laughs> it, it, I've done some like I I did one last weekend when I watched uh, Caddyshack. Mm. A guy and I at work every time uh, Maggie says, "Oh God, that's all I need." <laughs> Uh, I'll take a picture of that and send it to my buddy Mike, and he'll reply back, oh, God, that's all I need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Monty Python's a good choice. That's a good thing to nerd out about. You definitely got a friend of me in that one. That's good. <laughs> I don't. I don't uh, have too many, too many people within my wheelhouse that uh, can can understand that humor. So at least I got you. <laughs> I fucking love Monty Python, man. <laughs> Probably my second favorite cat. Uh, my second favorite sketch comedy troupe behind Kids in the Hall. Mm. But um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to attack a little more, uh, in a way more narrow subject. I'm gonna go to uh, another thing I nerd out about is Jim Henson. Just Jim Henson and and uh, I'm gonna try to put most all of his works under one umbrella here. Um, but mostly it was Muppets as a kid. Um, I was a huge Muppet fan. Um, watching reruns of the old Muppet Show. I watched uh, the Muppet Babies a lot, the cartoon growing up. Um, still ever watched a lot of the movies. I just revisited Great Muppet Caper not that long ago after the passing of uh, Charles Grodin. And just remember how much I love him as a kid. And hearing our friend Lisa reviewed the Muppet movie on her show, and uh, also she also did Muppet Christmas Carol, I believe, this past Christmas. So just revisiting all the old Muppet films. And um, I didn't really get into um, Labyrinth or dark crystal so i was a little bit older actually but um when i was a kid though it was all about sesame street fraggle rock and the muppets and um just loving every minute of it and i i even watched the muppet show they had a few years ago of uh, 2012 2013 they had on abc only last like a season or so it was okay i i thought it was funny i just i just lived to see content with the muppets in it because I think Jim Henson was such a genius. And right now I'm in the middle of reading an autobiography about Jim Henson right now, too. And I will admit, I honestly geeked out. Um, I'm from Iowa, for those who don't know. And it was awesome to read, like, one of the first chapters that Jim Henson's father went to Iowa State University to study agriculture. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm just a huge fan of Jim Henson's work. And it makes me so sad that he's gone because I see all this awesome stuff his name is attached to. I didn't really watch a lot of the storyteller growing up either, but um, I just watching Labyrinth a few years ago and I was like, wow, for the first time, I'm like, wow, look at all this. And how he just kept pushing forward and pushing forward. Even look at the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle um films he played a hand in those mm-hmm. with uh, the creation of the suit to release the heads for the most part and 
yeah, the Muppet Show and the Muppets in general was, were just my thing. I still love, like, I sat there and watched The Great Muppet Caper, and that will always be my favorite out of all the films because it was the first one I saw. It's got my favorite song of all time. It's got the Happiness Hotel song, which is my favorite one ever. And it's got some so such damn funny jokes. The Muppets, the reading about Jim Henson's sense of humor, he grew up in a very creative family. Like, um, I remember hearing, reading a chapter about when his Cub Scout or his Eagle Scouts or his Boy Scout troop came over to his house one time. And while they're sitting around the, the table having pie, uh, Jim's mother would uh, pour a glass of milk for um, a child at the table, and she'd just say, say when. And even when the glass was overflowing, she just kept pouring because the kid never said when. <laughs> the kid's sitting there freaking out. And Jim's mother's laughing her ass off. I'm like, that's great. And he's yeah, with the influence... If you read this autobiography on Jim Henson, you see where all this creativity came. He came from a very creative family. It, it, I, I adore this man because what all he's done and what he's created. This is a man who didn't even want to work with puppets very much. And now look at the, the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? The empire he created around puppets. Mm-hmm. Something he didn't really want to get into at first. Look where we are now, but it's not like he stuck just to that. He did advance the field so much to beyond just regular hand puppets and marionettes. It's the type of stuff he did. It was just out of this world, and the content he created for everything was just great. Like uh, Guy Milks just mentioned on um, an Independence episode of Please Rewind, how he listens to the John Denver and the Christmas, the John Denver and the Muppets album every Christmas. I do too. Mm-hmm. I love that album. It's my favorite. I've had it in vinyl as a kid. I had it on cassette tape, and now I have it on CD. And I will pop it in the middle of July because I love it that much. It's so damn good. But I nerd out about Jim Henson every chance I can because he is so damn talented. And it's such a vivid imagination, much like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. So when I think of things that spark my, that influence my imagination that I have, I think of Jim Henson. I think of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. I think of Tim Burton. And I think of uh, Willy Wonka or Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka from Willy Wonka on the Chuck Effect because it's pure imagination. Mm-hmm. But Jim Henson's one of those uh, cornerstones for my imagination because this is look what all he created. Yeah, absolutely. Like he, the the stuff he he's he created is just amazing, and all the little the creatures and characters and just you know and, and the stories told around those characters and just really really amazing stuff. Like and, and you know just so funny and so wholesome and just you know. Really, really good stuff. And I remember um, I wasn't so much into Sesame Street when I was a kid. It wasn't something that really um, really caught my attention too much. Um, but definitely, you know, The Muppet Show did and, and the movies that, that, you know, followed around that. Like, my, my first one that I saw was Muppets in Space or Muppets from 
space. I can't remember the title anyway. But <laughs> um, yeah, Muppets from Space. And that was one of my first ones. I know it's, it's you know, it's kind of cheesy, but it's still, I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. I find it a lot of fun. And I think it, it kind of holds a little, a lot of nostalgia for me just because it was my first kind of sense, like, introduction to the Muppets in that world and and then got introduced to the Muppet show and I I absolutely love the Muppet show like that was also another thing that I watched a lot and um I had owned it for um a little while on on DVD well it wasn't really I didn't own it my parents did um but um yeah I watched it a lot and it's just so good like it's just so clever and funny and 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 then, um, and then just within, I don't know, last, probably last couple years, nah, not a couple years, a few years, um, I had seen Labyrinth for the first time. I hadn't seen it at all. Um, and I, I love that too. Like, it's just, it's such a fun story. And, um, yeah, it's just all the stuff that he's done is just incredible. And, you know, how much he's influenced others, and just, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't, you, you honestly can't gush enough about the man, and, and what he did, and, um, and everything that he's created. He's definitely an influence on me, I know that much. So, yeah, um, after all that, that genuine, lovely gushness about Mr. Jim Henson, <laughs> It wasn't all mushy too, because like yeah, they had some good and heartfelt stuff. Yeah. But it also had a lot of t- a lot of tongue and cheek humor in it too. Like, Absolutely. for example, when's when's the last time you saw the Great Muppet Caper? Uh, just recently, for the first time. See, see, like one of my favorite scenes from that movie has to be when they're going over the plan. With, with everybody in the hotel and everybody's talking and he tells everybody to be quiet and uh, Janice is still talking. <laughs> Look, mother, it's my life and if I want to lay around nude on the beach all day, it's my choice. <laughs> like <laughs> shit like that is hilarious too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that free flowing just. You know, off uh, offhand comments kind of thing. It's just always, always good. <laughs> yeah. I like one of my favorite lines from the Muppet Show was when they were doing the at the ball, the, the at the dance or the ballroom scenes yes. at the dance. And uh, Dr. Teeth was dancing with, what was her name? Um, I can't remember the character's name, but when the, she said, do you believe in, uh, honesty is the best policy and I love the <laughs> Dr. T's response know the crack like that and your best policy is going to be an insurance policy <laughs> <laughs> it's just that yeah. kind of witty humor yeah <laughs> you, had, like, the, you had like the wholesomeness of like the Fraggles and Sesame Street, which I still remember some of the songs from Sesame Street. <laughs> the pinball song, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> I'll sing that to Mikey at work every now and then. Just randomly yell, 
Twelve. God, I am gonna die alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, occasionally, you know, I'm sure it happens with a lot of other people too that were into the, the Muppet Show, but you know, mana mana sometimes gets stuck in my head. Like I'll just, you know, catch myself just randomly pops into my head and then it's stuck in my head forever for the you know maybe not forever but for the rest of the day or something like we'll just you know (laughs) much like some of the other things i talk about how it carried in my adulthood like going to see the jason siegel um muppet movie as an adult like about 2011 2012 being stoked for that too and just loving it so much i took my little brother to it but it was still I was just excited for it as he was, I think, or even more excited because the Muppets were back after a hiatus. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it brings back all that, that, you know, warm, lovely nostalgia and just, yeah, memories of it. And, yeah, I I love those moments, you know, especially, yeah, like, you know, come back and it's, you know, being introduced to, you know, a, a new generation of kids and stuff, and it's just, you know, it's so cool that this stuff still, you know, is around, and, like, even now, like, you know, all the, the Muppet show is on, you know, Disney Plus now, and I was never more excited for that. I was freaking stoked. I was stoked for that, too, because I only have season one on DVD, and I never got around to getting, was it, there's five seasons, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think I was at a point financially where I couldn't get, like, I, could, I couldn't afford two and three. I think all you could find was seasons one through three around here or around me. I dropped the 20 bucks for the critic back in the day, but <laughs> to try to find the money for all the Muppet show seasons was uh, a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was kind of sad. And, and um, as, as mom and I joke, you know, we lose things in the, in the custody battle of the divorce. Uh, <laughs> um, that you know, I, I'm kind of sad. I got I got stuck with all the Game of Thrones episode, like all the DVD sets, and I totally lost out on the first three seasons of the Muppet Show. <laughs> Had those on DVD, and, and I'm I'm like, you could have taken Game of Thrones. I mean, it's an awesome show, but the Muppet Show, damn it, <laughs> you could have given me that one. But no, <laughs> stick me with freaking Game of Thrones. <laughs> so I mean, at, at some point, I, I really do want to get the this. I want to own those the series on DVD. But at least, at least I have Disney Plus to watch them, and I've been I've been rewatching them, and it's just, oh my god, it's so funny how much I remember because it had been a really long time since I had seen it, and just you know how much I remembered and still laugh at and. You know, it's still so, so good. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think we've, we've, you know, we've, we've definitely shared our, our love of, of Jim Henson and the Muppets and, and that whole really awesome world. Um, so I'm going to, let's, we're going to turn the tables again to something completely different from that. Um, one, one of my, I think it's, this one's going to be a more recent 
for me, um, pretty much within the last couple of years, um, I've definitely, you know, gotten into horror films and that whole, like all the all the genres within that, um, and definitely, you know, become a, a huge sucker for slasher films. Freaking gorier, bloodier, the crazier the kill, the better. I am happy as <laughs> happy as a clown. <laughs> but um, you know, it was it's funny because you know I never thought I, I would get into that at all. Um, because honestly, I was kind of freaked out by horror films. Like I, you know, seeing like, you know, images or trailers of things and whatever, and just, you know, and then also just being freaked out by the idea of them. Um, I just, I don't know. It just really kind of spooked me a lot. And it wasn't until, uh, literally, 2019 that I finally saw like your Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street um you know all these these classic horror films like the the bigger you know horror films that were you know that were huge back in the day but still are now and I'm just like I feel like I've just like dipped my toes into it like I, I don't feel like I've I've really dived into it as much yet, um, but I've definitely seen quite the variety of, of films and things, and you know, and then come to really love a whole bunch of horror films, and and I never thought that that I would, <laughs> being kind of like, you know, freaked out by them, but you know, I think now just I think I overcame definitely overcame that, um, you know, having finally, you know watch these these films and absolutely enjoy them like i i absolutely love you know i love all the friday the 13th films and all the you know nightmare on elm streets and you know love reanimator as i'm wearing my reanimator t-shirt <laughs> actually my my glow in the dark animator reanimator t-shirt that you know i can safely say i i can i can make barbara crampton glow in the dark <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, this but, is a family uh, show. Otherwise, I could take that in the guy milk's territory. I know. That's why I'm I'm gonna quickly scuttle away from that one. Because <laughs> I know the path it can go down. Um, but I've just really come to appreciate a lot of it, and you know the the practical effects, and you know the the creativity. In, in these films for you know the the content that they created is just you know absolutely incredible and um yeah i i've come to to really enjoy the the genre of horror and and all the you know you know dip my toes a little bit into some of the you know other genres of of horror because there's you know so many different layers to it and uh you know it's it really is thanks to you know um the last drive-in with joe bob briggs that i've really you know intro been introduced to those you know quirky horror films and just these different genres and learned a lot about you know how they how they made these films and things and so it's been yeah i've i've learned a lot about about horror and 
and the creative process in that and just yeah i i love it and i never thought i <laughs> never thought I, I would so it's pretty cool yeah i'm right there in the same boat as you um I never watched a lot of horror as a kid, but it's something more I got more into more as a teenager. It's about a little over 20 years ago. I can't remember who, but somebody posted on the Real Fans page like about a month or two ago asking like what film traumatized you as a child. I remember a guy commenting on it. I want to say his was Alien or Aliens. Mm. I want to say it was probably Alien. But I commented uh, the first Child's Play because the first Child's Play came out in 1988. I was, I think my mom and my babysitter rendered that in 1989 or 90. So I was five or six years old and I got laid down in front of a TV with that movie on for my nap. And I did not, I was never the same again. That movie traumatized the shit of me as a kid. And the, and the guy that posted it was like, oh man, I can't remember imagining seeing that first film at that age. <laughs> and then I remember like, you, and so just being terrified of Chucky for years and years. And, now, fast forward years later, now I own all the films. <laughs> all I use see it of Chucky as a coaster. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah. And then flash forward years later, uh, seeing John Carpenter's uh, Children of the Damned or Vill- oh, sorry, seeing uh, John Carpenter's Village of the Damned at like 11, 12 years old, and that's still freaking me out. But then a few years later, I. I think it was watching a scary movie and then transitioning into scream kind of took that kind of fear away from that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I used to be like, like oh, I'm kind of still of a shy, timid adult, but I was a very shy, timid child. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff did freak me out. And it's kind of the influence behind the uh, YouTube channel. I'm starting my buddy Mike here too. Is like all those, we talk about uh, Christopher Lloyd scared the shit out of me. Uh, in Roger Rabbit when I was four or five years old. You look back and laugh at it now, but like four or five years old, that was fucking terrifying. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. That was something I didn't get into until later, but um, the slasher films are, I think are the best. And like once you start to see behind the smoke and mirrors that it's all make-believe and everything, it's they're pretty damn entertaining. And um, I dig the slash like you. I dig the slashers a lot more than like the paranormal activities or your found footage films like your Cloverfield, your Blair Witch projects. Uh, I'm not even too huge in the Conjuring or the Insidious films. Like I've seen a handful of them. I'm, I'm more into the slasher films. Like the cornier the better. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I just love. Like I just watched Return of the Living Dead last week for third of July. Yep. Every year, like clockwork. <laughs> yeah. I, I even I even joked I'm gonna be volunteering here at upcoming Midwest Monster Fest here with Linnea Quigley being one of the guests of honor, and I'm almost half tempted to yell across the arena. Trash is taking her clothes off again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think about dying (laughs) being dead (laughs) (laughs) yep 
But, horror, uh, horror movies are a good one to geek out about. Absolutely. Like, I I definitely, I, I really enjoyed at least the, the first uh, Conjuring film. I haven't seen the others, um, but I really enjoyed the first one. I loved, I, I don't know, I just, I love the mood that it set and that it wasn't, it, it wasn't over the top paranormal like it was a little bit more like um a little more grounded i think um it wasn't so much that that sort of over the top stuff um at least just what i found like it you know because i know like some of the the newer horror films and stuff can can kind of be a little bit overboard and a little bit like okay this is you know, especially the the paranormal stuff where it kind of gets a little ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I really love the the conjuring and just the mood it set and and just you know how there was a little bit of dry humor in it, but then you know the the carefully sort of jump scare kind of thing and I I really loved it. Like I it's just really well done. Um, and uh, that was that was one of the sort of the newer ones that I I enjoyed, and um, yeah, and I actually had, and and I I will admit it it freaked me out at at first because that was one of the first sort of horror films I I saw. Um, there wasn't there was kind of because I had a friend who was really into horror films, and so she kind of it was a reluctance to go see The Conjuring, and so. I, I saw it, but I, I actually found myself, I really enjoyed it, even though there was at times I, like, was just hiding in my, my hoodie. It was like, <laughs> I, like, pulled the strings of my hoodie, and I'm just like, I can't look, you know? But now it's like I can I can watch it, and it's just, I can fully enjoy it, and I'm not hiding in a hoodie or anything, but... <laughs> but it's just, it's I, I personally really enjoy it, but that's kind of the only sort of paranormal one that I, I enjoy. Otherwise, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not into it either. It kind of gets a bit hokey and then like, yeah, the found footage stuff is yeah. But the the you know, the the slash reflects the cheesier the better the you know, it's just fun. Like it's just you know, for me it's it's pure entertainment, you know. And you know, I, I love I love watching it, so Oh. And you also can't go wrong with a good monster film either, like a werewolf, a good werewolf film or a good vampire movie. Absolutely. You can't go wrong with that either. Always fun. I think I want to talk about one last one, and I think I need to – I've been kind of talking about broad topics, I think. Something when narrowed down to one specific franchise, and um, I think it's been – no secret that my favorite director is Tim Burton. And uh, I think I'm going to, and I love print. He's the one director I have loved everything. His name has been attached to with that said, with that qualifier, everything his name has been attached to um, specifically the nightmare before Christmas is one of my favorite things. I love to learn out about, and I know it's not directed by Tim Burton, but his name is on it. Um, 
If you look around my apartment right now, almost half of my apartment is decorated with Nightmare Before Christmas memorabilia. I saw this film probably for the first time when I was eight. Maybe nine. I know I was about eight or nine when it came out. And when I saw it again, like in my 20s again, like I just loved it. I'm I'm part of that generation that like I'm immersed. I cannot walk in between the months of October and December. I cannot walk into a Walgreens, a Spencer's, or a Hot Topic because I will buy everything that has <laughs> a Nightmare Before Christmas character attached to it. Um, mm. Like as we speak, I have two Jack Skellington pillows on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I have. And we're for Christmas games. I have everything. Like I, I not everything, but almost everything. And one of those films where I know frontwards to back. Mm-hmm. I collect almost anything I get my hands on. I love to talk about it with anybody and everybody, especially people who love the characters of uh, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, and Oogie, who are some of my favorites of all times. Mm-hmm. I love. I haven't read all of Zero's Journey, which is supposed to be, I don't know if it's actually canon sequel to it, but you know what? For being as big of a fan of the of Nightmare Before Christmas as I am, I am not, I am one of the few, probably one of the few people that's pro no sequel to this film. Mm-hmm. It seems like for the last 10, 15 years, people have really been pushing for a mm-hmm. sequel to this film. And like, it doesn't leave you anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. And I think we've mentioned it numerous times on the show before. I do not want to see Jack in St. Patrick's Day Land. I don't want to see Jack in Easter Land. I let the story sit as it is. Mm-hmm. And I just can't put all the words in how much I love that I'm here for Christmas. I am that kid or that I'm that guy that talks about all the time that buys the sweatshirts from Hot Topic and talks about I, I, what, what have we said in the show before? Is it a Halloween movie? It's a Christmas movie. Well, fuck it. It's Tuesday. We're watching Nightmare for Christmas. That's the kind of movie it is. I watch it every other month at least. Mm-hmm. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Uh, I even downloaded one of the uh, Nightmare for Christmas Haunted Mansion uh, walkthrough audios to listen to that. I almost have that memorized verbatim. I've never even been to the Haunted Mansion where they, this takes place. <laughs> I just immerse myself so much in the Tim Burton's Nightmare for Christmas. I love it so much. It's it's such a it was that film was one of my first like musicals that I saw and cause it, it's, you know, a very musical film and, you know, I, I loved it, you know, and I, and I, I hadn't really, you know, engaged too much with musicals and things. And, um, but I absolutely loved, you know, when it, when everybody was, you know, when everybody was gushing over like your high school musical or some other, whatever, BS baloney was popular then. <laughs> I I was, you know, all about, you know, the nightmare before Christmas. Like I absolutely loved it. It's just such a it's it's a beautifully done film and it's a really beautiful story. It's so it, it's just 
it's it's got so much heart it's got a little bit of sadness it's got a little bit of humor it's it's just so good and it's a solid story from beginning all the way to the end and I am also one of those who doesn't want to see a sequel ever because you would just be retelling the story again. You 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 really couldn't do anything other than just planning them in some other world. But you know, I don't like you said. I don't I don't want to see him in St. Patrick's Day land. I don't want to see him in Thanksgiving land. I don't I don't want to see that. I just want to see him in Halloween Town and Christmas Town. That's where I want to see him, and that's where he belongs. And I, I love it. I, I just, I love how quirky the characters are. I love how kind of dark it is. I, I just, I, I love how fun it is too. And yeah, I, yeah, I love it. Like I've, I've got some, you know art in my room of of stuff and I've drawn Jack Skellington I don't know how many times and I've drawn other characters from the movie you know and you know and I have some of the you know merchandise of the characters too and um yeah it's just such a wonderful wonderful film and um yeah I I absolutely love it too yeah I really wish Tim Burton would have directed it, but Henry Selick did do such a great job with this film. I think and have he, you, he brought the Tim Burton feel to it. A thousand percent. Have you seen uh, the movies that made us or the holiday movies that made us? With I have, yeah. Christmas? Is it just me or I saw that for the first time a few months ago? It doesn't seem they've painted a good picture of Tim Burton in that documentary. No, they really haven't. Like, I get, like, you know, okay, I can maybe understand or maybe see some things, but, yeah, they really didn't paint him in a nice way. And and I don't, and I think, I, I think a lot of it is that they just, he's he's very much, he's quirky. He's different. He's He's somebody that I think can be, a little misunderstood and I think they misunderstood him. I think they they didn't really get him. Like they, they kinda they sort of did like they created this this the world and and everything and the characters and, and stuff and they you know did a wonderful job creating this film. Um but and you know and bringing his story to life. But yeah in that in that documentary they 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 really just kind of kicked him under the carpet a lot, and I, I I thought that was a little bit sad because it's like he's he created this amazing world, the amazing characters and you know story and well, and you're I'm not I'm not saying it's not necessarily that Henry Selleck and the crew did not get what Tim Burton was going for. I think they did. Yeah. I'm just saying the people that made the made the documentary or made the show didn't paint a very good picture of Tim Burton. No. It, was hard for, it was harder for Tim Burton to be on top of this because he was working on Batman Returns at the time. Yeah. I had it on the other side of the state, essentially. Because mm-hmm. I think Henry Selleck does get Tim Burton's vision. Because yeah. uh, Tim Burton also produced James and the Giant Peach, the stop motion James and the Giant Peach, which Henry Selleck also um, directed. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think that Tim Burton 
and Henry Selleck are one of a same mind. Mm-hmm. Hardly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the point I was just trying to make is it seemed like the people who made that special didn't paint Tim Burton in a very good light. And yeah. I'm also like, I, Tim Burton's the name that's attached to this film, but I'd, I'd like to see Henry Selleck get um, more recognition for this than he does. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, how they kind of, Disney kind of pushed Tim Burton off the side. You're very right in that because it's, they kicked Tim Burton to the curb back when he was working on um, the Black Cauldron and Fox and the Hound when he was a Disney animator back in the day. Then he went off and made um, he went off and made Batman. He went off and made Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He went off and made Beetlejuice. All of a sudden, there's a, this buzz around this Tim Burton guy. And they go, oh, hey, buddy. Or no, they fired him after he, was, he made uh, Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> and Frankenweenie. And, and yeah. uh, so then... Uh, then he makes this name for Christmas and they want nothing to do with it. They kind of like push it under the rug, you know. Was, but then all of a sudden, this movie just takes off out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like Disney wants everything to do with Nightmare Before Christmas. They're like, oh, hey, buddy, Tim, come on back. You want hey, oh, you want to do Dumbo? You want to do Elsa Wonderland? Come on, buddy, what do you want? Yeah. Oh, can we can we put Nightmare Before We're going to put Nightmare Before Christmas in the Haunted Mansion. We're going to put all this merchandise out, like... Hey, but this was a great idea. That was a great. Oh, we loved it from day one. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's just it's funny. The minute you know, and it it, it comes down to money, right? Like it's just oh, this is making money suddenly. Like it's gaining popularity. Okay, well we're gonna just you know capitalize on that. But I think I, it is nice to see that they, you know, they 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 brought him back and they, they allowed him to, to create these films and things. And so that, that's really nice. I think it's, you know, yeah, the, I think it got off to, it definitely got off to a rocky start, but I think, you know, now I think it's, it's really awesome that he's been able to make these films and, um, you know, have that, you know, that we've been able to see, you know, all, all his, his, creativity and imagination and just is sheer friggin brilliance <laughs> but yeah they and yeah like in, in the in the documentary yeah they really don't paint him in a, in a nice light and I thought that was really disappointing because he's just he's he's creative and and you know definitely unique and in, in his approach to to creativity and and you know you've got your you know, Tim Burton look, but it never, it, it never gets old. And it's, you know, you, you know, when it's a Tim Burton film, like you don't even need to see that it was directed or written by Tim Burton. Like, you know, it's just simply by looking at the world that you're seeing. Um, but, you know, and there were some moments in, in that documentary too, where they kind of, you know, they were kind of calling him like, you know, he's kind of odd. He's kind of weird. He's, you know, so that's sort of where it was going, like with them not really getting him. That you know, he's he's very much that 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 misfit. And then yes, they did. They definitely brought his vision to life very well. And you know, I, I think they did a a wonderful job because you know it, you know it, it could have gone south. It could have turned out really awful, but it it didn't, and it turned out beautiful. And you know, it it's still it's it's aged very well and uh yeah 
I agree. So before bringing on home, Melissa and I have talked about a lot of things, but we this has only really been the tip of the iceberg of all the nerdy stuff we love. Of course, we love comic books. Hell, I love Star Wars. I love Halloween. I love Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, everything we listen to tonight. That's just, or I love. I'm a huge Disney guy too. Um, everything Melissa and I have listed is just the tip of the iceberg. But we didn't want to create like a six hour long podcast because it would take me at least eight hours to edit and anybody who knows me i don't have that kind of free time this time of the year (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we we really wanted to you know we definitely dove a little deeper into our interests and into you know the thing the other things that we love uh, apart from you know our comic books and, and movies that we enjoy and you know so um you kind of got to a little more of a sense um of our of our fandoms and that we're into and our and our interests and um yeah just a definitely a, a broad overview of of the stuff the other things that we we enjoy and we definitely are you know we, we always every episode we always will you know jared and i will we'll meet in the middle on something you, you can never go an episode without being you know not on the same page on something <laughs> So I think, you know, definitely, you know, all the things that Jared just listed, like I'm, you know, definitely into as well. And so, yeah, this one, I think we, you know, was definitely a, yeah, we, we share the, the same, same interests and can gush about the same things and, you know, completely nerd out over this stuff. So, yeah. Oh. We won you over with this episode. Next episode, we're going to piss you off because we're going to be taking some hot takes in that one. Yeah, we're so going to, uh, you know, we're always, we're always saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to die on a hill, you know, after we say something, you know, kind of, maybe slightly controversial. I don't know. Maybe not really, but just <laughs> a strong opinion about something. And we always say, well, we're going to die on a hill. Well, we're going to explore that that line a little bit more in another episode. So so while we still have you on our side, <laughs> um, reach out to us. Let us know what kind of things do you love to nerd out. What are you passionate about that's nerdy? What do you love to nerd out about? Let us know on Podbean. Let us know on Facebook, Instagram. Email us. Let us know what you're passionate about. We'd love to hear it. You can email us at uh, nerdnightednationspodcast at gmail.com. That's a perfect segue. So uh, we'll just listed off our email. You can also find us as a podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at nerdnightednationspodcast. And if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Podbean on our main home. Um, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio. And Melissa, where can the listeners keep up with you personally if they choose to? Uh, if you want to keep up with me personally, you can find me on Instagram um, and Twitter. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at MissMelissaN25. It's all lowercase, all one word. Um, I post a lot of like nature pics, sometimes an elusive selfie. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes um, my art, but mostly if you want to see more of my art that I do, my weird and quirky drawings, um, you can find me on Instagram at scribbles of a wannabe drawer. 
And again, it's all one word, uh, lowercase, really easy to find. And I also have made a Twitter account um, that's Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. And it's at uh, Scribbles Drawer. Um, and there you can find my drawings that I do when I watch uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I participate in The Last Draw-In that artist Cody Shibe started, where you pick something, whatever the, the films are going to be for the evening, you find out the film, and then you pick something from the movie and you draw it. So it can be just, you know, somebody, like, something happened a moment in the, in the movie, a character, anything you, you want to create. So I've, I've participated in that a couple of times. So you can find my, um, my weird drawings on there and where can they find you, Jared? Well, if you want to see pictures of my pride and joy, my two cats, or you want to see how long my beard is now, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista underscore J. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on off and on it's social media right now because it's a busy time of year with me between Tugfest, softball, play rehearsal, and potting for you people. It's uh, a little busy right now this time of year. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find me if you so choose to. So like I said, you're on our side this episode, next episode, maybe not so much, depending on what your take is on some of the topics we're going to talk about next time around. But uh, for Melissa, I'm Jared. It's been another episode of Nerd Nation's podcast. Guy, this episode was for you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some more about us, all of you. Um, remember, the world's still scary out there. It's important to be polite to everybody else. Be good to yourself. And the best way to do that is to be excellent to each other. Nerd on, dude. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.